Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Wow, you know, it's gotten to the point around here where we've added so many new listeners and I've told so many stories so long ago that, well, we got to tell some of them again, and we're going to do that today. It is the Lake Kick Extra podcast, Wednesday, April 6th, Year of the Lord, 2022. I'm Josh Pate. We got a mailbag coming at you, the likes of which mailbag episodes have never seen before. Having a lot of fun, quite frankly, with this format. You guys have been completely off the charts, 113% year-over-year growth for the show, with over a 21-minute average viewer and listener. Just a complete insanity. I appreciate it. I'm always humbled by this stuff. Uh, we were on the phone with a major potential client yesterday. And uh, they, well, I don't fault them. They needed us to prove that. That's how crazy and out of this world those numbers sound. Uh, thank you guys. So we got a mailbag this morning. There's a lot of overflow from what I couldn't get in Late Kick Live last week. So let's waste no time. Let's dive right in. Jack, going to lead us off. He said, hey, Josh, if the NFL were to theoretically lower the draft eligibility requirement age to where you only had to play, let's say, one year, or be out of high school one year. Do you think this would promote parity in college football? Well, Jack, I think it would be presented as that. I think it would be presented as a vehicle for parity. And what he's asking is if they went to a model, kind of sort of like we see in college basketball, where you see some one and dones. If we had that in college football, would the superstar players that you see litter rosters like Georgia or Clemson or Alabama, would we see them disproportionately affected by that? Would you lose a bunch of Bryce Young's or Trevor Lawrence's and all of a sudden then the little guy gets a shot? Well, I think that's what people would be fooled into believing is going to happen. And maybe case by case it would. But Jack, far more than likely, I think would be Alabama loses a guy like Bryce Young and then they just go find a Desmond Ritter to transfer to them. They go find a fourth or fifth year quarterback to transfer to them. If Georgia loses N'Kobe Dean after year one, they just go take a fourth year linebacker from Colorado. They go take the best of the multi-year starters via the transfer portal from other programs. I can just tell you there is no model that we keep searching for wherein these major programs are going to be negatively impacted and you're going to skate by. That's not happening. If there's going to be a negative impact, it's going to happen from the bottom of the ladder up. It's not going to start at the top of the ladder. So I hope we don't get there because I think football is a far different developmental sport than basketball is, let's say, or baseball. So I hope we don't get there. But if we did, no, I don't think it would promote nearly the parody that some people would be led to believe it would promote. Stephanie in Greenville, South Carolina, up next. Stephanie said, hey, could you tell that story again about Lane Kiffin and his agent? I heard it before, but I wanted to remember the details. Well, Stephanie, the year was 2015. The site was the Georgia Dome, rest in peace, in Atlanta, Georgia. And this was back when Lane Kiffin was the offensive coordinator at Alabama. I've told this story a couple of times, but like Stephanie said, it's been a while. So if 
You got a story you want to hear again. I figure it's about that time. If we've got 113% year-over-year growth and I haven't told stories in a year, stands to reason we need to repeat some of them. So anyway, Lane Kiffin's up for all these jobs, right? Uh, You got a bunch of jobs that are open and his name's being thrown about because remember, he's come from being fired on the tarmac from USC to totally rehabbing his image and he's been the offensive coordinator at Alabama and now he's ready for a head coaching job. So Kiffin had put out leading up to the SEC championship game that he wasn't going to talk to anyone and wasn't going to interview for any jobs before the end of the season, meaning the SEC championship game. So wait until then and I'll talk to you. Now, I know when you guys hear that sometimes and you hear coaches say that, maybe you think it's BS. Maybe you think there's a lot of back channel talking, or maybe you think it's authentic. And I can tell you, sometimes it could be any of the three. Well, I got a vantage point here that I've never had before. So I'm only a couple of years at that point into being able to cover games. So I'm on the field after the game. Alabama beat Florida, I think it was, for the SEC championship. And they're walking off the field. They're headed down the tunnel. Jimmy Sexton, who is the super agent, he's the agent of most of the big name coaches, including Lane Kiffin, including Nick Saban. He is standing just out of the public's eye down the tunnel with his hand over the speaker of a cell phone. He's already on the phone with someone and he's on hold, essentially waiting for Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin is walking off the field and he takes the phone from Jimmy Sexton. And right there, those two are walking down the tunnel and down the hallway to the locker room. And he's already on the phone with someone. So Lane Kiffin stands outside the locker room for several minutes and he's on the phone. Now, I don't know who he was on the phone with. We know he eventually took the Florida Atlantic job. But he was being talked about as potential OC at LSU, maybe the head coach at Houston. Like there were several job openings. Kiffin ends up taking FAU. I can't promise you that's who he was on the phone with at that point. In fact, I would strongly lean towards the possibility he wasn't on the phone with FAU, but maybe someone else. Well, he's on the phone. Kiffin beats Nick Saban down the tunnel. Nick Saban's out on the field still doing interviews. And, you know, they had a trophy presentation and stuff like that. So I'm standing there. And Lane Kiffin and Jimmy Sexton are there. Sexton's just standing there. Kiffin's on the phone. And it was the most surreal, kind of awkward moment because here comes Nick Saban. And Saban's agent is Jimmy Sexton. And obviously, they're very close, too. Sexton's been with Saban for a long time. And Saban walks past both of them, won't even look at Lane Kiffin, does not communicate with Jimmy Sexton, and goes in the locker room. So Nick Saban goes and does his postgame press conference. And Lane Kiffin's on the phone a couple of times, and I don't know what's happening there, but I'm observing it all. So anyway, here's what's funny. The rest of the coaching staff, normally what's happening around this time is they're in there getting changed. They're getting showered if they want to take a shower, but they're getting changed because when you travel on the road, you're going to put on a suit to leave the stadium. And the coaches are in there doing that. Well, Lane Kiffin's still in his coaching pullover. I mean, he hadn't even gotten in the shower yet. Well, what's funny is after Saban's press conference, Sexton and Kiffin are still outside the locker room. Saban walks back down the tunnel, walks right past both of them again, no eye contact, no communication with either one of them, and goes back in the locker room. He gets dressed. Uh, State troopers take him to the buses, and the buses are all loaded up. Well, here's the problem. Kiffin's not ready yet. In fact, he hasn't even gone in the locker room yet. So about the time Lane Kiffin gets done talking to whoever he was talking to, or whomstever, it's time to go. And the folks who handle the travel for Alabama are uh, very emphatically telling Lane Kiffin, you don't have time to shower. We need you on the bus right now. We're about to leave. And so Kiffin says, hold on just a second. Let me go get my bag. He pulls the hold on a second. Lane Kiffin went and showered. 
He went in the locker room and showered, and they are losing their minds. Uh, they left him. Alabama left Lincoln. <laughs> it wasn't even the only time they left him at a venue that year. They left him. Saban said, nope, we're gone. And so they left, and so too did Lane Kiffin. Now, remember, that was when he stayed for, I think, the semifinal game against Washington. And I think that's the way that went. Or maybe it was the semifinal against Michigan State. Either way, that was the year where they fired him right before the national championship game. So that would have been 2016. They fired him seven days before a national title game. Nick Saban says, nope, it's gotten to the point where I can't take it anymore. So, Stephanie, that was the Lane Kiffin story. That was really fun to watch. Uh, Let's get Seth here from Tucson, Arizona, which I used to pronounce Tuxen for a long time, or Tuscan. He says, do you have any thoughts on Ajay Hall's dismissal from Alabama? This is pretty interesting. A lot of you know that name because you follow recruiting. He was a five-star wide receiver for a lot of services this two cycles ago, I guess now. And he was a true freshman, and he just lit up Bama's spring game last year. And he had a lot of people, myself included, thinking he was going to be a huge contributor to that team this, year, this past year. Never really saw a ton of action until virtually every Bama receiver got hurt, and he got put in in the national championship game. And he, he made a couple of big plays. He botched a couple of plays that could have been big, and Alabama loses. Nick Saban, in the weeks afterwards, really poignantly talks about how there were guys on the team that got a shot that did not take advantage of it because they didn't prepare right. Uh, Many people, again, myself included, strongly believe that was directed at Ajay Hall, among other folks. He wasn't the only one. Well, it comes out today, and I'm recording on Tuesday, it comes out today that Ajay Hall's name is not on the roster. He is no longer, reportedly, no longer a member of the Alabama football program. What do I think about it is Seth's question. Well, I think that this was inevitable. I think we've seen it coming for a little while if you've been able to read the tea leaves. I will also tell you this. I've got reason to believe I don't think this was merely a coaching decision. I think that there were probably some guys in that locker room who felt it was time to do that. And that's the way a lot of these big-time programs operate. When you're at your best, the players are taking accountability and ownership of the team Sometimes, you know, it's like uh, Gary Bertier letting Ray go. Ray, I got to cut you loose. Sometimes you just got to know when to cut a man loose. That was in Remember the Titans. I'm not saying it went down exactly like that here, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if down the road a little ways you start to hear stories about how, hey, players and coaches alike realized it's probably time to move on here. You know, Saban's talked a lot about this team in spring as having no negative guys, no complainers, got a lot of guys just doing their jobs. And it sounds like, at least from what we hear out of Tuscaloosa, they've got the right team chemistry. So I don't think anyone's really going to be complaining. I don't think you'll hear about this a whole lot after this week, per se. Drew in Fort Worth, Texas. Would college football benefit from a postseason championship like the NIT in college basketball? If so, how would you set it up? Well, I wouldn't set it up at all, Drew. I am of that crazy opinion that we don't have to mirror other sports. And I am of that crazy opinion that before people came here about 15 minutes ago and messed everything up, bowl season was just fine the way it was. And I'm okay with bowl season now. Now, could it have been irreparably harmed to some degree by all this foolishness with playoff and then talk of an expanded playoff and therefore meaningless bowl games, their words, not mine, and players opting out, sure, there could be some irreparable harm done. But I'm also not a believer that the folks who made the mess should be tasked with cleaning up the mess. So the crowd, the expansionist, the casuals out there who made the mess need to get out of the way. And then let's preserve what we can preserve. So to me, Drew, my ideal college football postseason format is let's take traditional bowl tie-ins, 
i.e. the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and the Rose Bowl, unless one of them is good enough to make the playoff. I would not like to see that playoff expanded further than it is. And then down ballot, it's an election season. We can use that terminology. Down ballot, I'd like to see those bowl games just be those bowl games. I mean, I'd like to see the Capital One Bowl be the Capital One Bowl. There was a time not too long ago, kids, if you're 16 or 17, you're listening. There was a time not too long ago where there were teams that won nine games in a year and they went down to Orlando and they played each other on New Year's Day in the Capital One Bowl and they played their hearts out and they played with their hair on fire over the cliff, everything on the line, and they celebrated winning a bowl game that didn't have a playoff sticker attached to it. Can you believe that? Oh, what a world that must have been. Yes, it was. But then all of a sudden, people who have never built anything successful or maintained anything in their life outside of the neighbor's lawn when they were growing up for 20 bucks a week told you that what you got's not good enough. What you've built there and what you've sustained for, oh, I don't know, about 100 years in some shape, form, or fashion was not good enough. And we needed to mirror this and that. And I watch this professional sport. Let's take part of that and apply it. And I watch that professional sport. Let's, let's apply that here and there. And all of a sudden, you've got this little conglomeration that once was college football and still is at its core. The Christmas tree of college football is still there, but it's got some sucky ornaments on it right now. I'm just going to put it to you like it is. Sorry, little Charlie there in the passenger seat. But sometimes we got to shoot straight. You know, while I'm at it, because this is going to apply to a lot of you for a lot of different reasons. I mean, you can relate to this is what I mean. I really like a lot of what technology has brought us. The web, social media, both play an integral part in late kick uh, and totality. That is where our show is housed. So yes, I love him and it provides me a means to communicate with you. Love all that. But what I do hate, there's always a downside to the progress of technology. And one of the things I hate is how amplified minority voices on issues have become. And college football's no different. Here's how I watched it play out. You guys watched right along with me. We're still very early on. If you think about it, things like Instagram, things like Twitter, they haven't been around that long. What are we, 15 years in on some of these things? 10 to 15 years in, let's just safely say uh, a little bit longer than 10. So let's call it 15 years in. That's still young. And if you rewind 10 years, when all this first started, when the push towards the playoff really started in earnest, we were so early on that you didn't know how to interpret what you heard on those platforms. You heard it on a social media platform. You saw four people say something. You just thought that must be the majority opinion because I saw four people say it. I saw four people say that bowl games don't mean enough and we need to attach something. We need to expand the playoff or else these things don't mean anything. They're meaningless bowl games. And all of a sudden that just took off. Now we've got a little bit more sense about ourselves, hopefully, as a society. And nowadays you understand Twitter's not real life. And what you hear on Twitter is not real life. It's so easy to make a dozen look like a million on Twitter. It's so easy, ridiculously easy. There are major corporations out there that change policy because of being fooled by things like that. I think we got fooled by it in college football, too. And a lot of people allowed these phrases and this way of thinking to take off. And now I didn't find myself like this, but some of you may have even gotten suckered into believing that your way of thinking was too old school. And you were too stuck in the past by believing such things as bowl season was okay the way it was. How dare you, by the way? Bowl season, just okay. Uh, It is, and it was, and it could be again. There's the James Earl Jones quote. It represents all that once was good, and it could be again. He was talking about baseball, but we could just as easily be talking about bowl season. So, Drew, I say this humbly, but firmly, leave my bowls alone. 
Chris in Austin, Texas. Will you have Pate State material stickers for sale soon that we can place on bottles and our cars and whatnot? I don't have much room left, but I'm willing to make some room. Chris, yes, they're coming. And for that matter, you know, we're getting a little bit closer to pressing the go button on this. I know I've told you that for a year and a half, but for real, we're getting a little bit closer. Uh, Here's what I do need, not by tomorrow, but in general, I'm going to start listening through the DMs, of course, at Lake Kick Josh, Twitter and Instagram. I'm going to start listening to ideas from you. What I want to know is what you want. What are you looking for? Chris wants stickers. I know a lot of you want t-shirts and whatnot. Of course, those will be available. But what is it you're looking for? What kind of, what sort of novelty items? If you were running apparel and merchandising and product, what would you be looking to produce? If you're going up and down the virtual shelves of our store, what are you looking to grab? That's what I want to know. The vision I have, I'll just tell you this and I'll leave it alone. The vision I have for this when we finally are able to pull the lever on it, I think far supersedes maybe even what a lot of you have in mind. Just just be ready is all I'm saying. There's going to be a lot of opportunity for you. There's going to be a lot of crowdsourcing on this. I think we've got one of the most creative and funny audiences anywhere in the college football space. The. It's not one of. You are the best, sharpest, most creative an entertaining and funny audience in the college football space. Uh, therefore, I'm going to lean on you for a lot of ideas. And I'm going to lean on you to do one more thing, too. Sit back as we throw this at you. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast the national sales event is on at your toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car like a legendary camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive you can count on your new camry to get anywhere you need to go And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
Oh, I'd say that was about a nine and a half on a one to ten scale of sneaking the ad read up on you. Anybody who expected it, again, I'm calling BS on you. I just think you're lying. Uh, but you may have gotten lucky. Who, who knows? Blind squirrel, broken clock. You know the old sayings. Let's continue here. Robert did not give a location, but Robert did give a question. Which teams do you think will be most active during the post-spring transfer portal window? I got one I'm really focused on right now, and that is Florida. I think the Gators are hurting for depth in a number of positions. Billy Napier has spoken about this publicly down there. They have had to adjust the way they practice in many cases because they don't have the depth. They don't have threes in most cases right now. And because of injury in spring, they've had to even move guys and play them out of position, cross-train them as you as you call it if you want to put a more positive spin on it, at positions that aren't naturally theirs. So certainly... They know the score. Napier's talked about it, like I said, in press conferences down there. They know what they inherited. It's not like they're wasting time complaining about it. But yeah, oh man, when they get out of spring ball, which is going to be pretty soon here, I expect to see Florida look to add a number of guys. Now, here's the catch-22. What do you do? If you've got, let's say, seven or eight roster spots realistically that you need to fill, and they may have more than that for all I know, but let's say seven's the number. But you can't quite go and acquire seven SEC caliber football players. Well, do you just leave those roster spots open? Do you give scholarships to some of your walk-ons? Do you give scholarships to guys that maybe don't quite fit your parameters for normally being good enough to get a scholarship to Florida or get a scholarship to play major ball in the SEC just to fill the roster out? How are they going to handle that? Uh, keep an eye on Florida. That's one. I mean, they're not the only one, but that's, that's one that I think will embody the uh, spirit of that question. Uh, Michael hit me and said, you need to start sharing more of your DMs publicly if they're as good as the one you posted yesterday. So uh, some of you may have missed this. This is going to sound made up. And I know if you're new around here, we add a lot of listeners every show. You may think this is fake. If you hang around the show long enough and you experience what this is like and what our audience is like, you'll come to realize this is not made up. It's authentic. But if you're new around here, I could understand your apprehension for believing this is real. But I promise you, this is a real-life direct message that I got on Twitter.com from someone whose name I will not mention, but I will read you the message. It says, Josh, thanks so much for your continued commitment on Late Kick. I look forward every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings to listen to your show. And today, Monday, I listened to your most recent edition of Late Kick Live through the entirety of my vasectomy procedure. My Penn State grad surgeon heard the part where you said your Pate State adopted student section was Penn State. But I had to be careful for obvious reasons. You had selected my A&M Aggies as the fan base culture you'd adopt. So which is better, overall fan base culture or student section? I would argue fan base culture, but my surgeon literally had me by the bollocks. So it seemed like Pate State student section won the discussion. Anyway, I love what you do. Keep up the great work. Hashtag Pate State. I didn't ask for that. I didn't put out a call to action to tell me that. It's just the beauty of the community that we've built around here. That is Pate State. Pate State is knowing that even though you may never have met someone face to face or looked them in the eye or spoken to them on the phone or so much as texted them back and forth, you feel at ease totally sharing the details of your vasectomy or various other medical procedures. Guys, this is not even the first medical procedure story we've had this week. I didn't read the other ones on air. I think I tweeted out like three or four of them simultaneous about a month ago. Maybe I'll start doing that again when people give me permission to do it. Sometimes I'll slip them out there, but no kidding. My inboxes are fascinating to behold. 
the things I see on a day-to-day basis, the information details you guys share with me on a day-to-day basis, you would be willing to pay money to scroll through it. I will tell you that if I offered a glimpse into my inbox, not only would you get that, but you would also get coaches in there. So you would get a lot of behind the scenes access. Uh, You would get a lot of dirt. You get a lot of scoop. You would have other members of media talking behind the scenes. And that would fascinate you guys for totally different reasons. But wow, just pay-per-view quality. My inbox. Love it, though. Please keep it coming. Jenny's got a really deep question here. So let's take some time to unpack this. Jenny from Lynchburg, Virginia, by the way, said, uh, given previous talks about burnout within college football coaching circles and more pro athletes coming forward about their own mental health struggles, what are some struggles college athletes face that we may not be talking about? How would you address this need as college football commissioner? Jenny, there are a million different ones. I'm just going to pick one that I never hear talked about because you take it for granted. What do you think happens during practices? On college campuses, when you hear college football practice, what do you think? You probably think a lot of instruction, a lot of teaching, a lot of fundamental things being worked on. Whatever you think, I'm telling you, it varies greatly program to program. And one of the biggest struggles that I never hear talked about that players face is you don't know what you're getting in a player. When they get on your campus, some of them have come up through great high school programs, and they've been taught the fundamentals of the game. And certainly they're not a finished product, but they are well on their way to being polished to the point where they may even be able to play for you as a true freshman. Then you get some other guys. They may be equally, if not more, talented just in the God-given department, but they played in very subpar high school programs and their fundamentals aren't there. Well, here's the problem. Sometimes they get on campus And you've got a coaching staff full of instructors instead of teachers. And what I mean by that, if you've ever played sports, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you get on a field and you don't know how to do something, it doesn't matter how many times you scream at me what to do. I need you to show me how to do. Now, there is no room for this in the NFL. By the time you get to be a professional football player, no, they're not supposed to be wasting time in practice teaching you fundamentals of anything. You better know it. You better have it. And if you don't have it, you better perfect your craft in your own time. NFL coaches are not there to teach. Uh, They are there to instruct. Uh, They're there to just fine tune things. But in college, when I'm getting you out of, let's say, Lynchburg, Virginia, chances are you are not a finished product. You are not polished. But... A lot of times on some campuses with some programs, you do not have a coaching staff that is equipped to teach. They are equipped to instruct. And that's the big difference. If you want to see the best developmental programs, they're the ones who have good recruiters. Yeah, you got to get the players. And they've got good tacticians. Uh, They've got good game day coaches. Operationally, they're good. Yeah, they got all that. But they're also great teachers. They are able to teach the game. Now, Jenny... And everybody else listening, you may take that for granted. Don't. Don't take it for granted. Because the fact of the matter is, you want to know something that will mess with your mind? Imagine this. Because this will mess you up big time mentally. Imagine you're a high school football player. And 24-7 Sports has evaluated you. Just your God-given ability, your talent, what you flash physically is enough to get you five stars. You fit the physical criteria. You've got the 40 time. You got the explosiveness. You got the ball catching and handling ability, whatever it is, depending on your position. But you're a five star player. Okay. And a lot of times, guys get rated five stars because of their physical potential. But let's say the high school coaching staff that you played under did not 
do the best job developing you. They didn't do the best job teaching you the fundamentals of the game. Well, you're still so physically gifted. You got the five stars, but the problem is you are not developed. Well, guess what happens when you get on a college campus? The expectation level is not any less because you're not developed. It is very high. You're a five-star kid. Many people may look at you as the crown jewel of that particular recruiting class. So then you walk on campus with all those five stars and all those expectations, but you're not developed. And let's say you get on campus and let's say you get in spring practice and your head is swimming. This happens every year, every year. You get on campus and all of a sudden reality hits. There are some guys that didn't have as many stars as you did. There are some three-star kids out here that happen to be developed better. And mentally, they grasp the game better because they were taught the right way and they're running circles around you. Now, I want you to imagine being a five-star talent, but you don't have the development of a five-star player and you're lost as a true freshman. Now, can you make sense of it? Well, if you're 50 years old and you have the wisdom to be able to properly diagnose the situation sitting there in your rocking chair, yeah, yeah, sure you understand it. If you're 17 or 18 years old, do you understand it? A lot of them don't. A lot of them think they're failures. A lot of them think, I must have been overrated. A lot of them start doubting themselves. And all of a sudden, mentally, where are you at? Where, where, what's in your headspace then? It's a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. Depends. It's very much a case-by-case thing. Some guys wash out. Some guys never overcome it. Because you got a lot of work to do. you got a lot of uphill battle ahead of you. If you're not developed the right way, mentally or physically, if you're not developed the right way, it doesn't matter how talented you are. Guys face this every year. And they better be on a team with a coaching staff that is able to teach the game. If they're not, they are either going to wash out or at the very least, they're going to head into the transfer portal and still have to start all over somewhere else. So either way, mentally, it is a challenge. And it's a much bigger challenge, ironically, the more talented you are. Because the more talented you are, the higher the expectation level. But you're still no more equipped to actually follow through on that potential when you get to campus. So I'd go down that road. There are many different roads you can go down, Jenny. I'd go down that road because that's not something anyone ever talks about, but it's something that's a reality every single recruiting cycle. Jacob from Dayton, Ohio. Next, what is the hardest and easiest stadium to get in and out of for you? Uh, The hardest one was this past year. It was at Penn State. That was when Auburn was in town. Obviously, it was the whiteout game. It was a night game. And even after waiting an hour and a half after the game, I head out of Beaver Stadium And it was gridlock traffic. Tough. First time I've been there. Now, I'm in the media parking lot, so I'm close to the stadium. I don't know how I did it to this day, but I just shot down some side road. And I had been in standstill traffic for 30 minutes. I shoot down some side road. I get right on the highway. Within five minutes, I'm on the highway. Never even came to a complete stop again. I could never do it again. I don't know what I did. I don't know where I went. I would probably sell that information to the locals up there if I did know. But that was the hardest one for a little while, but then I got lucky. I mean, I kid you not, I had a flight out of Pittsburgh at 6 the next morning. There was a period there where I didn't know if I was going to make it. And the game was a night game the night before. So that's how, that's how dire the situation was. Now, the easiest one by far is Baylor. Because Baylor's right on I-35 there in Waco. The stadium is literally hugged up against the interstate. And even with construction going on there, I-35 has been under construction since, I want to say, the Andrew Jackson administration. Yeah. And uh, so there's no end in sight. But even with construction, I was there when Oklahoma was in town. And I get there to McLean Stadium a few hours early. I mean, drive right off the interstate, right in there, park it, get in there, ate my 
breakfast in the press box. Oh, I miss it already. Endless hash browns. And then afterwards, you walk out. I mean, I don't think I hit my brakes hardly. You get right on I-35 and drive right up to Dallas and fly home. So Baylor was a breeze getting in and out of. It was a sold-out game. It was a big game. I think probably the biggest one of the year there. But it was just so easy. Uh, Penn State, a little bit bigger a challenge. But what are we complaining about there, really? I mean, we're complaining about traffic on one day. We only get 12 of them a year. And really, realistically, the traffic's only going to be like that for a handful of them. Uh, one more question here. This was from, it's a long question. Hold on. So this is from Eric. This is very important. Now, this is a hard-hitting question. Probably going to need some help on it. Uh, Eric says he is a former college marching band tuba player. So he says, I enjoyed your answer about what your favorite college football fight song was, which was USC, by the way. Uh, Thanks to you, I forever now use the word pageantry to describe what a marching band brings to a fan stadium environment. Bookmark that, because I'm going to come back to that. Eric continues, my question to you, what title or nickname would you give the Pate State Marching Band? And which instrument would band geek Josh Pate be playing? So I got a lot to get to here. Let me make sure I run through it in order so I don't forget anything. My go-to instrument would be the snare. I don't know the classifications, but I would want to be on the snare. I want to be like Nick Cannon in Drumline. But then there is a dark horse instrument. I bet none of you are going to come up with this. I've always kind of had a fascination with the xylophone because you get to stand up and you get to bang on that thing like it is a percussion instrument, but it sounds I mean, it's like the little toy you played with when you were a kid. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, I've always been fascinated with that. Plus, you guys hold like multiple, whatever the sticks are that you hit on a xylophone with, they hold multiple pieces of instrumentation in their hands. So that's the dark horse instrument, but I got to go with snare because as Gloria Estefan taught us, rhythm carries all the action. Now, as for the name of the Pate State Marching Band, I have no clue. What in the world should we be called? The Pate State what? We've got a lot of different unique band names out there. I'm going to crowdsource this because I don't have a good answer here. We got time. Obviously, that's what God created the off season four. So let's um, let's workshop that. We need a good band name. Now, as for the first part of this, Eric said, I now forever use the word pageantry to describe what a marching band brings. I'm about to sound 113 years old, but I'm telling you, I do not like the amount of piped in music that is played at college games. And sometimes it's played over the band. I am not a fan of that. I know it's got its place. I'm not saying don't ever use piped in music, but dude, there's some venues I go to, like traditional historic venues, by the way, where they're playing piped in music between every down. And it's like, you got a marching band there. I mean, can we not let them do their job? They have a role. You take up huge and very valuable chunks of real estate in the stands to house them. Why aren't you letting them carry the day? Why aren't you letting them affect the atmosphere in the stadium? Um, so that's just a little side note. Yes, pageantry absolutely is one of the things that a college football band brings, if they're any good, and most of them are at that level. So I appreciate that, Eric. I appreciate you guys listening. I need you to continue to do the favor of subscribing to the podcast. Subscribe, follow, whatever they call it. Uh, the five-star reviews are great liking the videos and subscribing to the YouTube channel. Great. But I also want subscriptions in the podcast and that's it. Doesn't cost anything. You know, the deal, no strings attached. I appreciate you guys so much. A lot of attention on us right now. A lot of good attention, no bad attention, just good attention. So let's keep it rolling. Stay in that sweet spot where we get to do whatever we want to with virtually no consequence. Thanks as always. Have a great rest of your day at late kick Josh on Twitter and Instagram until next time. God bless. 
winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.